your freedom to choose is more important than anything. Welcome to Story Broke! Miserably Ever After! The rant cast about Once Upon a Time. This week we're covering episode 6 of season 1, The Shepherd. And uh, I do have to warn our audience in advance, this is a David Nolan heavy episode. This is a very charming heavy episode. This is a charming episode. It's it's a charming episode. I am not David's biggest fan. I, I get it. But I, I like him. Uh, he, I like him. He has his moments. He's a big dum-dum and I like him. Yeah, so... He's um, a noble dum-dum. He's a noble dum-dum. He is an entire idiot. <laughs> so, uh, before we talk about this himbo, I think we need to summarize the plot. All right. Here's the basic plot. Once upon a time, a brave and noble prince promised to slay the dragon terrorizing King Midas's kingdom in exchange for the gold needed to help his kingdom survive. Not a minute after King Midas turned his back, the prince was killed without mercy. His father, beside himself with grief, called for Rumpelstiltskin's help, hoping to revive his son and save his kingdom. Rumpel regretfully informed the king that death can't be undone, but he could get the late prince's twin brother to fill in for him. Rumpel made his way to a countryside sheep farm, where a shepherd and his mother were struggling to make ends meet. After turning down his mother's suggestion of an arranged marriage for a farm-saving dowry, the shepherd proclaimed that he would only marry for love. Rumpel offered to make their money woes disappear if he would take his dead brother's place as prince and slay the dragon. He reluctantly agreed, used his shepherding skills to slay the dragon, and saved the kingdom. King Midas surprised everyone by revealing that the dragon slaying was also a test for his daughter's hand in marriage, and the shepherd prince was forced to agree to an arranged marriage and continue to live as the prince for the rest of his life. In Storybrooke, Catherine throws a welcome home party for David, hoping to jog his memory. Upon discovering that Mary Margaret has declined her invitation, David ditches his own party to go find her. Mary Margaret stays strong and rejects all of his advances because, after all, he's a married man. So, David leaves his wife and asks her to meet him at the old toll bridge if she's willing to give him a chance. She optimistically heads to meet him after encouragement from Emma, but before David can get there, he's led to Mr. Gold's shop by Regina, where he sees an old windmill that breaks through his amnesia and allows the curse to implant all of his memories of his life with Catherine. He goes to tell Mary Margaret the bad news, breaking her heart all over again. She drinks her feelings away with the help of Dr. Whale. And lastly, Emma catches Graham sneaking out of the mayor's house late at night. Ew. Ew, Graham! Come on, Graham. Come, come on. on. Come on, Graham. Come on. Come. So I think this week we should get the uh, the story, the story uh, Enchanted Forest stuff kind of out of the way so we can discuss all the drama all the oh, juicy drama this episode all the meaty soap opera stuff going on that's what i watch for the, so. it's a soap opera plot it, it is let's, before we get to the soap opera plot you're right yeah let's go back i gotta say so right off the bat we open with this combat sequence and we don't know that this is not our known prince charming so we're just like watching him kick ass and i mean he did it's a it's a pretty decent fight scene with all those like rocky quick cuts to make the, it look like it's the, a good fight the quick scene. Quick cuts. The quick cuts were what got uh, 
Uh, apparently, my husband is cattier than I am. <laughs> um, and he was like, oh, this is hard to follow. God, you can tell they must have been really bad at this choreography for them to use so many jump cuts. <laughs> I was like, yeah. wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, I do like he's when never he... seen this show before. <laughs> and from what he's seen, he just expects every scene to be too much i feel <laughs> that's what we watch it for like i, I watch for the it being too much I, I had to ask him to keep some of it inside this this episode <laughs> i did like um when the barbarian unnamed barbarian man throws the prince oh yeah up in the air that's a pretty good shot so yeah unnamed barbarian dude was like nine feet tall and had this big old pole arm so he had reach. Oh. It was a pull arm. I know. I'm just immature. It was a pull arm. Uh, you, those things. Those things have like a. Well, I mean, he must have had at least a plus six on that. <laughs> it, it's a plus six pull arm uh, with reach, and as we'll learn in a few seconds, uh, the plus piercing augmentation. Now, now this. Now the prince. The prince does say something that's a very important fighting fighting tip. Is uh. You gotta make sure I'm dead first. You gotta make sure I'm really dead first. Because he feigns death. So the guy comes to try to hit him and he stabs him. And as he's killing the guy, he's like, you should make sure I'm really dead first. And the guy falls dead and two kings come forward. Yes. (laughs) We just pan across and this entire time there's just been a whole cavalcade of kings and stuff. Yeah, it looks real weird. It was really jarring. I was like... All of the fantasy shots in this episode were blue. They were really weirdly shot. They were so weirdly lit. They were weirdly lit. They made some bad scene choices. Yeah. Scenery choices were not great this episode, and lighting choices were worse. Big time. Everyone looks unnatural. But anyway, they're supposed to look a little unnatural because the king, his father is a king, obviously. Yes. The other king that they're meeting with... Is King Midas. King Midas. And here's where we have some fantasy science, right? Oh, yeah. So he uh, he takes the glove off and, you know, it's like, careful. You know, remember, remember what happened to Frederick? Remember the hat? Yeah. Remember, I was like, what is his name? Remember what happened? So when he wears the gauntlet, it doesn't uh, confer his, his powerful gold, power gold curse anything. thing. So that, that's good. That's a good yeah. way. That makes sense as to how he can like actually operate as a human. The other fantasy uh, science was he then turns David's sword gold. But it just turns the sword, not David. So that's fortunate. Yeah, so that's good. It was just the sword. Oh, he's but, he's James here. Oh, right, right. Prince James. Sorry, Prince James. Prince James. It just turns, just turns the sword gold. And the gold sword keeps getting used as if it's still going to be good for anything. Yeah, like gold is very this, soft. I was like, you just ruined that sword. Yeah, you just like get him a better sword. Someone get this man a steel sword. Someone get this. So that's that's my that's my little bit of fantasy science there. In this fantasy world, gold as a weapon is still deadly. Sure, Jan. Yeah, that's yeah. 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 Ugh! It made me. It made me. A, um, an experienced 20-plus year D&D player, roll my eyes. Oh, yeah. Gold is worthless. Gold is worthless as a weapon. Well, Unless it's, like, heavy and you drop it on someone. And uh, Also, how can he still be lifting it? Particularly you as a D&D player, because we all remember, you know, everyone who listens to this show is familiar with your D&D character, Felinda Dankill, <laughs> who is a metallurgist. I'm very good at metals. Gold is not what you make weapons out of. <laughs> Elaine's character was very well versed in fantasy metals specifically. So this is like, I imagine this was driving you up the wall because I didn't even catch it. (laughs) 
then when you brought it up, I'm like, yeah, that thing's got to weigh a ton like and be worthless. You thought I was talking about the glove. Yeah, sure. There's a metal that can, yeah, there's yeah, yeah, anti-magic yeah, sure. charm on it. No, I was upset about the weapon <laughs> and they keep using it throughout the whole episode. And I'm like, oh, no. Uh, uh, yeah. So- we also have Alan Dale as one of the kings. He He plays King George in this. And this man plays the same character on every show he's on. He's in every ABC show as the quasi-sinister rich man. Yes. He's on Ugly Betty. He's on Lost. Oh, he's, he's the on big boss, this. isn't he? He's the big boss on Ugly Betty. Yes. He's just, he's great at being a douche. You know, sometimes you're typecast, but that's what makes the money. That's what makes the money. Got that ABC money. <laughs> and he, all he has to do is show up in an episode every like oh you want me to play the same character my research is done let's done. go done <laughs> i don't need the script <laughs> this time i'll wear a velvet robe instead of a suit mm-hmm. oh i'm done gonna, i'm gonna cry angrily in a scene that comes later yeah. all right so so they make this deal midas has a dragon that is very ferocious and george has a son who's a very ferocious fighter, who's never been beaten. Makes so perfect sense. You got to get that dragon killed. So since George's kingdom needs money to survive, everyone is everyone's kingdom is failing in this, this show. Every other kingdom is failing. Every kingdom is falling apart and needs another kingdom to save it. Uh, every single one of them. So, every other. Yeah. Yeah. So so this is their plan. You You... Kill the dragon. Here's this gold down payment of a sword. Now go kill the dragon. Uh, so King Midas turns his back. Yeah, excellent. Walks away. The King kings Midas. Walk, both kings walk away. Prince starts giving a rousing. Now this guy was easy. The dragon's going to be harder than this. But you know what he didn't do? Didn't check to see if he was really didn't dead. Didn't check to see if he was really dead. Pull arm through the back. Most you said it earlier. The most gruesome death we've seen yeah. for Disney. It was before we. It was before we start recording. I was just like, this was a really gruesome death. I mean, it's there's lots of blood. That thing is dripping. That whole weapon is through his entire chest. Yeah, and considering how many times we've seen swords go through guys with no blood, mm-hmm. just seeing this, just his <laughs> armor peeled open and everything. It was really gnarly. <laughs> also, like how he got the uh, the strength. And the leverage to use a pole arm from the ground. He's a monster. He's a monster. You know, I I was thinking about a uh, Game of Thrones spoilers for it was Game the of mountain. Thrones. Yeah, with the mountain that <laughs> crushes uh, that dude's That's, head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ugh. So he's dead. Dead. He's dead. He's dead. 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 So then we get to see uh, evil boss from Ugly Betty. Um, with water on his face, mourning his son. Yeah, King Dad with his poor King Dad. His his teardrops. And he, he, they're like, they're, they're still very upset. There's no time for him to mourn because the kingdom still needs gold. And now they don't have anyone to slay the dragon. But luckily, Rumpelstiltskin he is there. He called for Rumpelstiltskin for help because he's the one who pr- procured this son for King George and his late wife. There's a theme here. This yeah, is why he's, he's always looking for babies. He's, yeah, he needs, he needs babies for sinister purposes. So he, uh. He's like, help me just revive my son. Uh, let's make a new deal. If you revive my son, you can have whatever you want. He's like, can't do that. You silly goose. Magic can't bring people back from the dead. Never. Magic never. can never bring people back it from the dead. never the can. The fairy has said it. Rumpel has said it. 
The queen has said it. it literally, that is a thing the that most, is impossible in the context of this show. The most impossible thing ever. So we'll never see magic bring someone back from the I dead. I will never have to angrily rant about someone undeserving coming back from the dead. Thank goodness. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? <laughs> I'm sorry. We're just... I'm sorry. We're, we're like staring at each other. It knowingly across yeah, the space yeah, yeah, yeah. and that doesn't work for an audio format spoiler warning <laughs> uh that gun gonna go off yeah spoiler warning that spoiler doesn't hold true yeah no that's that's just convenient right now and it's, i'm mad about it yeah all right so so can't bring him back from the dead but we can still get you someone to kill this dragon because he had a twin brother. How convenient. How convenient. So, so this is the prince and the pauper. Yes. So cut to our our prince, the the titular shepherd um, who is hey, out on the farm. Now, here's, here's a thing. His wig does grow on me. But the very first scene of David in that wig. It's not sitting on his head correctly. We, Luther and I burst out laughing. That, that wig moves on his head from scene... You, you texted me, you must have been watching it before I did, because you texted me and said, wasn't I just wishing for wigs last week? I was wishing for uh, past, you know, story world. Because everyone David. had buzz cuts in the yeah. previous episode. And then all, so we finally get a wig, but it's this wig. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an okay wig. It's just not seated for his head. And again, continuity, it changes how it's sitting on his head from shot to shot, and it drives me up a wall. They, they must have done the first shot before the hairdresser got there. And then the oh, hairdresser man. came, what are you doing? Oh, no, my God. Like, no, let me no. pull this forward three inches. It's, it's rough. But he's a shepherd. But he's, he's a got, shepherd. He's got some skills. He, uh, We see him successfully tricking a sheep into hurting itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he says a line that we hear again later. You didn't see that coming, did you? Oh, oh yeah. Because yeah, yeah, he gets yeah. in the little pin. And then his mom comes home from the store, says, oh, I almost arranged a marriage for you today because we're going to lose the farm. Well, luckily that plot point won't come back again. But I love the lady playing his mom. Yeah. she She's a good actress. She's got a sweet face. and She seems and really great. And their, their connection as a mom and son, I liked. It's really believable. It was respectful. They have, they have like... They have good chemistry. They like, really do. It really fits. I, I looked this woman up on IMDb because I was like, what else has she been in? And she has been in so many other shows credited with no name that I'm happy at least they do give her a name in the credits. Her name is Ruth. I like it. She is credited so often as mother, mom, gran, granny, woman. And it's like... Oh my god, this poor lady. She is never given a name in anything. And she's delightful. I like her little shock of white in her gray no, hair. Her whole look was just like something to aspire to. I yeah. liked her so much. Her cottage chic was perfect. Yeah, you know, I recently tweeted that Snow White invented cottage core, But I'm thinking that this lady really is who nailed it down. I mean, she does live in a literal cottage, mm-hmm. so. And the, the grain merchant, you know, has a daughter. And... and the sets like this, this mm-hmm. cottage set, mm-hmm. and uh, later on when we go to fight the dragon and those outdoor sets look so good. Yeah, the outdoor stuff looked good. That it really makes the CGI sets look so bad. They, they oh. Like, it's, it's jarring how inconsistent the sets they're, are. Their countryside 
set, like the place, the location they chose for the farm was just beautiful rolling hills. The lighting was perfect. Everyone was sunlit and sun-kissed. Even even Rumpelstiltskin looked good in sunlight. Even Rumpelstiltskin well, in that, that much heavy makeup, makeup looks on. great in sunlight. <laughs> I'm that's impressive. That's yeah. really impressive. It was nice. It was like a nice day at the Ren Fair. Yeah, and I all liked it. all Rumpelstiltskin's entrances, all Rumpel's entrances in this in this episode are fantastic. Oh. He always just is there off camera. <laughs> Were you looking for me? I I love it. It's. And there was another tie-in to a previous episode in this. His his payment for procuring the twin was to find the location of a certain fairy godmother to get her wand. Yeah. And so that we saw that in the previous episode where he vaporized a fairy. <laughs> Just poof. <laughs> he gets so offended when people are like, what's in it for you? That's not your business. That's none of your business. <laughs> yeah. He gets so offended. Oh, that guy's great. He's fantastic. He's so great. So. <laughs> but yeah, so... TLDR, the prince... The shepherd. The shepherd becomes the prince. After some grumpiness about not knowing that he had a twin. Right. And mom mom admits that she and her late husband grieved the decision till they died, but it was what they needed at the time because his farm yeah. has always been failing. Mm-hmm. And we go to... Uh, we go to... Fight the dragon. We get a little scene Oh, we where, get some mooks. We got yeah, some mooks here. We get some mooks. Uh, you know, we're kind of... We're kind of skipping over a a campsite scene where David is told, I have to clarify something real quickly. The actor who plays Prince James, David Nolan, when he is a shepherd, his character is named David. Oh, yeah. So he is cursed to be David. It's not something they ever say in the show. No, but but he is credited. Yeah. They They may mention it later in this series, but at this point, we have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. But he becomes Prince James, and we kind of get some some discussion with his mooks and learn that you know Prince James was a pretty great guy. He was the bravest man I ever saw, and, and he was a very good fighter. And your job, your job is to stand here and be here when it happens, while we go in and kill this thing because we don't trust your skills. Right. And you know why? What that he was just been a shepherd, and we get this nice roll up. We get some gruesome bones and burnt up oh, stuff. And man. again, this ABC is getting away with some grody stuff. And I'm like, there were nice. still active fires going. Oh yeah, there were charred remains everywhere. And this like big buff guy is like, you stay here, you little weakling. And he like strolls in with three other guards, and they immediately start screaming bloody murder. <laughs> Like, David's here trying to make small talk with the other two mooks who were there to keep him a safe distance away. And they're like, yeah, we knew him. Like, these guys are still grieving the loss of their friend. And you're going to make small talk about their dead friend. That's cool. That's cool. So the I think he's trying to learn about his brother. I get that. that His brother he didn't even know about. I get that. But the way, to me, it felt poorly phrased. Yeah. Like, this, the time to learn about this stuff would have been earlier. And that wasn't convenient for camera. I will say... Bad timing and being incapable of reading the room is a David Nolan and Prince Charming character trait. Valid. He is repeatedly terrible at this throughout the series. But something he did have in common with his brother, that bravery streak. Yes. Because as soon as it's told that his brother was one of the bravest, strongest men he'd ever met, screaming happens. Like, death is happening. And they're, there like, some, holding there him is back. Some like, there is some, like, Drogon-level death happening. Oh, yeah. And uh, they they hold him back. He fights them off. He runs and he drags Big Buff Guy out. 
um, shields him with his body as the dragon comes. The other two mooks who had just been standing there watching him do it are dead. Oh yeah, they're just like, killed off Immediately off-screen, vaporized. Just like, like He goes to try to grab one of their swords like without even thinking like, oh no, I saved this guy and these two guys died. He could have saved them, but he yeah. didn't. He goes, the but yeah, there's a good scene here where you see him using the same method that he used on the sheep to herd the dragon into a little crevice. Which the dragon... The dragon looked good. The dragon looked really good, especially for like 2011 CGI on network television. The dragon looked really good. And my expectations were low yeah. based on one, the CGI sets. And two, in the intro when they show the dragon, it looks cheesy. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the, the little uh, opener to the but episode. That's a cartoon intro. The in- right. It's a cartoony intro. But when we see the actual dragon in the episode, it, looked, it looks great. It looked good. And it's a fast dragon, and that's why it's a problem. Yeah. He's a fast dragon. He's he's speedy. And and so he herds him, gets him into a little rock where he can't move, cuts his head off. Yeah. He does the thing that they didn't think he could do. And we have used up all of our gore budget at this point in the episode. Yes. Because that gold sword is spotless after yes. severing a dragon's head. Yes. Well, it's magical gold. Okay. Yeah, I know. I agree with you. I've already talked about, we've already talked about it. We've yeah. already talked about it. <laughs> and again, I say we've used up our gore budget because when we see the dragon's severed head again, it is entirely made of gold. Oh, and I Midas think that's exactly it. for the same reason. Well, that's that's how Midas is going to... Like, he says put it next to the Chimera and stuff. He has a collection. Yeah, but we don't see him turn it in. One, probably CGI budget. Mm-hmm. But two, because <laughs> they, they only can't had, show this, like, gruesome... They only had the budget to gold a sword, not a whole dragon's head. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So, uh, and when it is sitting there, the golden dragon's head looks fake as hell. Oh, God, yeah. Well, yeah. if you've, like, every time I have seen, and I haven't seen a whole lot of things that are all gold, but I've been to museums. I've seen some all gold things. They don't look that impressive. No. They look kind of cheap. Yeah. Fair. Gold is pretty in small, delicate detail amounts to me. Yeah. A huge dragon head made of gold just looks. That's just gaudy. It's yeah. just gauche. Yeah, it's like, it's too much. It's too much. That's Midas' whole thing. You know? And you're going to put it next to a Shamara and uh, what else? I didn't write. Ugh. I was too frantically writing something else down at the time. <laughs> I watched it twice and then I had a cat on it. You know how it goes. Yeah. So we learned that this was actually all a test, you know. Well, it was, A, the, dra- the, the dragon was a problem to the town. But you know what else it was? It was a test for his daughter's hand in marriage. And out comes Mall Accessory Princess, who I would note. For someone whose father makes gold, she's wearing an awful lot of silver. I wrote the same thing. One, your dad makes gold, and yeah, you're wearing a lot of silver. She's rebelling. And these cheap Claire's ass earrings still. It's rebellion. It's yeah. A, it's the exact same outfit that she was wearing. You know why? Well, it's not the same day, but you know, they have limited wardrobe. Yeah. It's, we're, we're led to believe over the course of the episode that this all happens over the course of like, like a ah, day. Like a week. Maybe, because he gets he gets to, like, r- ride home. He rides home to meet his mom. Her life has already changed. Her wardrobe is upgraded. Her cottage is beautiful. They have food on the table. She's so excited to see him. I love her whole outfit. I we love the, the, the earrings. You had said they're too modern. The earrings were too modern. They had the wrong clasp in my in But my they're mind. really cute earrings. They were. She's got this great necklace. I'm like, look at you. I loved her, like... Her, her gown. And honestly, to me, it's one of those things where I'm glad to know that she was alive in this scene because it could have looked like an envisioned heaven scene for yeah. the way the lighting was and she was dressed and she was lit. Uh, it was 
it looks like heaven and it's supposed to because to him, that's his haven. Yeah. That's his home and that's where he wanted to be. But he just made this, he just got blackmailed into being the prince for the rest of his life. Yeah, when uh, when King George gets in his ear and is just like, I will burn down your farm. I will kill your mother. I will destroy everything you love. I'm like, oh, that's where he's from. I know this guy. <laughs> just had to give an evil monologue. He has there. to give at least one threatening speech. His- I think it's in his contract. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. That made me mad. It made me mad. But this is how we get where he is. Now, we also know from our past episode that David must have been the one hunting for their meat for the family, too. Not just from their, their farm and stuff. He would go off into the woods because man can shoot a bow and arrow. Oh, yeah. 12 hours later, he's going to, uh, in a previous episode, 12 hours later, he's going to be shooting a, 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 a bow and mm-hmm. knocking out this amazing trick shot of this guy moving on a horse. Yes, yes. Uh, so he but, tells us he tells her she he can never go back home. Yeah, like that sucks. That's rough. It made me sad. It makes me really sad. Though we do get the the beautiful exchange of the ring, the ring that has been a plot point for so long. And she's so upset that he's agreed to marry this princess because that's the one thing he didn't want to do. Yeah. The one thing he wanted to give himself in the life. He wasn't too poor to not have love. Where's yeah? His line is something like uh, early in the episode. It's uh where. We're not so poor that we can't afford love. And yes. I'm like, Aww. Yes. But when she gives him the ring and she says that line, true love follows this ring wherever it goes. I think it's true. It's true. It absolutely because is true. it winds up with his true love. I know. I know. It was very sweet. It was one of those things where it worked for... She even goes, it worked for me with your father. It worked for me with you. Like, whenever she lost her husband, she still had love with her son. Yeah. And that was really... Yeah. I'm going to get him. Wow. <laughs> so so she hopes that the ring will bring him love with his new betrothed. Yeah. Um, bitchy prince, Princess Abigail. She's... she. They she's are working so, so hard to make her unlikable. She's so disinterested it's not even that she's unlikable it's that she's she knows she's being the princess she's having to play the princess role my favorite was like oh this is the guy who killed the the dragon i guess he'll do yeah and it's like you can tell like yes they're making her unlikable but you can also tell that this is abc disney drama there's a reason she's being this way yeah we haven't gotten there yet yeah but she is so disinterested in this dude and she's just doing what she has to do so she can get home i mean Marriage for political power. I'm not super interested personally. It's a merger, not a takeover. <laughs> Did I just break you? <laughs> I love I love me a tieback. Yes. Uh, so. Yeah, these up and tiebacks. This episode, I feel, has does a lot more for the continuity of the Enchanted Forest and the Snow White. Prince Charming romance than almost anything else. There's a lot of meat happening here, which yeah. is why we have discussed it at length, even though it is it is really uneven in terms of the production quality. The costumes... Oh, God. Everyone looks blue. Everyone looks blue, and then everyone looks yellow. Like, they get really sallow <laughs> the, in some the of these scenes. The only good lighting they had was in their outdoor scene. Yeah. Every time they're on... Like, I know that they usually use green screens for this, but it looked like they were using, like, an old-fashioned blue screen just for the shadows everyone had on them. Yeah, I pulled up the production stuff because I was like, what is it? And it is... It's badly lit on the green screen background. Ugh. It's overblown. Yeah. And I think that's part of what causes some of their problems. It was it was real rough to watch. It looked like everything was dim and dark 
And that took me out of some of it because these should have been like glorious castles and beautiful kingdoms. Yeah. And they were just like, Ugh. yeah, everything is just like, yeah. So they, they, he leaves his mother. He says goodbye for the last time. He takes the ring. He puts it in the pouch that mm-hmm. we see later. He goes back and he is given Abigail's hand and she grumpily takes it. And he's like, oh, I thought we'd take the scenic route. And she rolls her eyes. And then we see a carriage going down a familiar path and a certain Snow White hanging out in a tree just waiting for them to find her log. Aww. And, and they're like, there's something in the road ahead. And then we switch back. Yeah. That's the end of the story. And that's the end of the story. Meanwhile in Storybrook. We need to talk about um, one of the small subplots that happens over the course of the episode. It's only two scenes, but it's Emma and Sheriff Graham. <sighs> so Sheriff Graham comes to Emma. Emma is wearing one too many accessories in this scene. She's back in her blue coat. I like blue the coat blue coat that you love. <clears throat> now, do you like this coat because it's sporty or do you like it because it's blue? I like it because it's blue. Yeah. I also like the sportiness of it. I think it's a good combination for a coat. I like the red coat a lot. The red coat is still my favorite coat, but I'm mm-hmm. always happy to see the blue coat because it's reminding us that she has her wardrobe again. She has a wardrobe. She's allowed to change clothes now. Good for her. That's why she's wearing all of her accessories. She's remembering. Yeah. My favorite coat is, we're not going to see it till like season six or seven, but she's got this red suede motorcycle jacket mm. thing that's like kind of, kind of a, um, it's fuller. Mm-hmm. And I really like it. Mm-hmm. I want it for me. <laughs> but yeah, she is wearing one too many accessories. Um, Mary Margaret bursts in uh, talking about... Oh, immediately after, uh, after Graham has bribed her with a bear claw to work a night shift, which he promised her she'd never have to work, but he has to volunteer at the dog shelter because the manager's sick. E donuts. And he's like, you know... Some stereotypes are true. Yeah, this will work on me, to be honest. Oh, I mean, God, you yeah. give me food and I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. Is, it, is that a baked good? I want it. Yeah, is that a baked good? I'm sold. Carbs? Carbs and sugar? I like how she spends the rest of the scene, like, with the bear claw near her face talking the whole yes. time. It makes me very happy. I paused it at one point and she was looking at Mary Margaret, who barges in needing advice, and holding this this big old bear claw next to her. I was yeah. like, I want to eat that. Now, I have a weird continuity error in this. Mary Margaret bursts in and the strap on her bag like falls while she's talking and it makes like an audible thwap. And then she crosses and we get a quick camera cut and the strap is like back on her arm. And I'm just like, no, continuity. You Oh, I've adjusted so many purses so many times. That's I mean, automatic. They show her walk, do the whole walk oh. from behind. Like it's just. She never cut. lifts it. She never lifts gotcha. it. It's just cut that way. It's, it's like that that scene in the first episode where I was like, her sleeves up, her sleeves down. Her sleeves, her sleeves up, up, her, her sleeves, sleeves down. down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I can relate to just like wearing too many dangly things and they're just falling all over the place. I'm constantly readjusting. You've seen how many scarves I own. Non-binary culture is, have you considered scarves? It's just like a joke of like, anytime you go to any page where they're like, how to dress more androgynously. Dress like a thin white woman. And it's like, hey. (laughs) I wish I could dress like a thin white woman. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. thanks. (laughs) Yeah, I am (laughs) 6'2". Here's, here's the thing. I am not a thin white woman. No. I am I am two of those three things. You are thick and juicy. You're gorgeous. <laughs> my, my, my husband once heard someone, uh, I was wearing some uh, faux leather uh, leggings 
at a show and I was running from our show space to the bar next door. And my, my now husband was taking a smoke break outside. And as I ran into the bar next door, he heard two guys who were standing outside talking about me. One was like, man, she's thick like oatmeal. And the other guy was like, nah, like grits. <laughs> and Luther was just like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I want grits. <laughs> Is, uh, you do can, we, you do we have, have someone that. screaming at us right now? There's a cat screaming. Oh, our uh, third co-host, Rufus, who never has much to contribute, is screaming outside the door. So, Elaine, would you mind? Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah. So, this happens fairly early in the episode. Later in the episode, we see, it's like right towards the end, we see Emma patrolling, and she sees someone shadily exiting the mayor's... Upper window. Upper window. Yeah. So she she pulls over and she doesn't try to do anything copy. She's just going to assault him. Yeah. Because that's Emma. That's an Emma move right there. As one does. And so, uh, so turns she, out it's Graham. Oh, and his hair is so disheveled and curly in this scene. Yeah. Uh, and she, he was like, oh, the mayor just needed me to sleep with him. Sleep with her. Like, that's our edgy. this is not your dad's Disney. That is our edgy Disney line. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, the mayor just needed me to uh, sleep with her? No. Yeah. Yeah. She's not buying that. It's so obvious. And she's so upset. And she's, what? why aren't you going out the door? Oh, well, she doesn't want Henry to find out. Henry's in the house? Well, he's asleep. Oh, I wish I were him right now. I know. That whole exchange. I'm like, I, I feel like a large part of her disgust is not because someone slept with Regina. Because, I mean, dang. No, she's hot. It's fine. But... Because she has feelings for this sheriff. And one, he lied to her. Mm-hmm. And two... This was her other friend in town. Yeah. And now... This was the other person she thought she could trust in town. And now she knows she can't. Yep. So... Yep. Even which, though he fights for her a lot. We'll get to we'll get to this relationship next episode. And that's what this little plot line is really setting up. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna... I'm gonna... There are gonna be flames. There are gonna be flames. On the on side the of your face. Of my face. That's the next episode. We're going to have a lot of comments about it. So get ready for that. But the real meat of this is the storyline of Mary Margaret and David Nolan and how they very clearly have feelings for one another. So we open in stories. Sorry. I was like, do you want to get to that now or you want to do the other mini plot? Or does the mini plot come after this one? We'll do the other mini plot of this one. Okay, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. So we open in Storybrooke with Catherine Nolan and David Nolan returning to their home there's a sign out front that says welcome home david and they have a little exchange about how you know when he first looked at the house he did not like it there was a windmill in the front yard and he didn't want to buy an old lady house which when we see the interior of this house it is an old lady house that is some that is some old lady wallpaper have you seen most of this town though fair it's an old lady town. They're committed to a to an aesthetic. It's it's a cottage town. These are all cute little cottages. These are all like second generation houses, basically. I really like all the navy blues in this house. The very saturated navy. I like that a lot. And the the clear white chair rail and baseboards. I feel like it clashes with the kind of grandmotherly wallpaper. Like I don't I think it looks off. It's I, cute, but it doesn't quite work for me. I enjoyed that the house seemed to have actual house like like you, usually you see a house set and the living room is really wide to make sure yeah. you can fit the whole camera. But this felt like you were actually in someone's little cottage style house. Yeah. And it, it is a cute layout. We get some nice exposition 
in this episode that really like cements things where Henry is explaining to Emma that, oh, well, because he has amnesia, he hasn't gotten his curse memories. Yeah. He hasn't been implanted with those memories. There's nothing for him to remember. The amnesia saving him from the curse right now. Yeah. And I think Dr. Whale has a line about, you know, seeing something that might trigger a memory for him, which is such a nice tie-in because that is the central plot of the other show this actor is on, I Zombie. <laughs> Is they eat a brain and then they see things that trigger the memories from that brain. And I, I enjoy that. I don't think he's on iZombie yet. I don't think that show started until much later. But I I think it's a nice bit of real world <laughs> he's, foreshadowing. He's getting typecast too. <laughs> oh, God. He, he plays a weirdly charming, despicable a-hole so well. Yeah. On everything he's in. And this episode, he's he's getting to use his charming more than his asshole. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, sorry. Wow. There were so many double entendres there. He, he's getting to use his charm more than his jerkiness. Yes. Uh, sorry. He's not getting to use his asshole much. Really broke me. Thanks, charming. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Catherine is freaking out. She's nervous to have him home. Yeah. She's afraid he's just going to leave again. And Regina comes in to give her a pep talk about how she needs to go out and enjoy the party. Her husband's home now. She needs to be there for him. And they have this sweet moment where Catherine's like, Regina, you're being a really good friend right now. I'm not used to having them. And Regina's like, I have a friend. And you can tell she's got this bittersweet look on her face because she does want a friend. She needs a friend. She needs a human to interact with who's not an underling to her but she also knows what she is doing to this person yeah so she you can see that she they're trying to humanize her a bit by showing she has these bittersweet emotions about this because she is acting like she's being a very good friend to Catherine. and david just a few minutes later gets to do the thing that i in my life have always wanted to do duck out of my own party can we talk about how uh 10 year old henry has the worst segue ever Ten- <laughs> which one Oh, it's whenever he's like, we got to try to get him to remember his past. Got to remind him of things. And so at one point, like a guy comes by with hors d'oeuvres and David takes a, a toothpick and stabs something and like twirls it. And Henry's like, you ever used a sword before, Mr. Nolan? <laughs> and, he, and he's like, what? What? <laughs> I just like instantly thought of uh, Airplane. Do you like movies about Greeks? <laughs> No, sir, I've never been in a plane before. <laughs> Note to self, put that clip right here <laughs> instead of me talking about it. So it was a, it was an incredibly fancy toothpick maneuver. Yeah. I will say that. Oh, he's just like, spears that carrot. Does a little spin. Yeah, it's hard to stab a carrot with a toothpick. Oh, I'm well aware. That's why I thought it might be a cocktail weenie, but it yeah. was a carrot. It was a carrot. So it was impressive. It was some impressive sword work. It was a sturdy toothpick. It was a sturdy toothpick. I wonder how many take. I wonder how many takes of that. Like you know, whenever you try to like even grab one with a fork and it just like slips away every time. Wait, every time. Oh, uh, sorry. No. So so he he ducks out of his own party. Yeah. Because Mary Margaret's not there. And so he goes to Mary Margaret and she's putting up a birdhouse at night. Yeah. Because that's normal. That's just what she needed to be doing. But something. She's a teacher. She doesn't have a lot of daytime hours. It's it's later in the year. The sun goes down real fast. He hops that fence and I'm like, oh, you're such a dumb idiot himbo. But I could watch you jump over fences all day. Yes. He puts the thing up for her and he gives this compelling argument about how 
Catherine deserves someone who cares about her the way he cares about Mary. Like, he doesn't want anything bad to happen to Catherine. He just doesn't want to be her husband. Yeah. And she's like, but you're still married, so bye. Yeah. Bye, boy. Good for her. Yeah. She's sticking to her guns. She She's had some good pep talks with Emma about it. She's not going to get involved with a married man. Yeah. Until... So he leaves his wife. We find so he this leaves out. his wife. We find this out because Regina finds Mary Margaret at the shop and immediately accuses her of doing it. And not knowing, you know, if we just lived in the world of... If we just lived in the world of Storybrooke, mm-hmm. Regina's in the right here. Like, I don't think she's... I don't think she's wrong. She's like, hey, my new best friend... Yeah. My new best friend just got her husband back and you, you ivory temptress are trying to steal him away and i'm like get it girl get it but she she did recognize she's like throw a drink she's like oh you didn't have anything to do with it intentionally okay well he's gonna come around keep your distance yeah don't ruin multiple people's lives hold on i wrote something down here i just have to find it paper noises there it is i found dr phil collins so i know it's in the um, ah, be- yes, Dr. Phil Collins. Before you do something that can't be undone, let him remember who he was. And yeah, she's playing the good friend. She really is playing like yeah. the good protective friend. Like, you would do this for me. <laughs> now, she she definitely has ulterior motives. Absolutely. But I do not fault her for this in mm-hmm. this scene. The right thing to do is stay the hell away. Mm-hmm. But then he comes to school. He keeps stalking her. He's stalking her, and that yeah. makes me uncomfortable. He's stalking her. I like that she sticks to her guns. I like that she pushes him away in this scene. And I also... She asks him to leave her alone. Also, as someone that does like them together in the end, I do like that their wardrobes coordinate. Oh, I didn't notice that. They're both wearing the same color palette, and it looks really good. I didn't notice that, but you know what I did notice? That little girl who was sitting in the classroom by the door, man, she was into this drama. Like... Every shot where they showed, like, David's back, Mary Margaret's front, and the classroom, that little girl was, like, peeking up, remembering she wasn't supposed to peek up, and putting her head back down. We are all that little girl during this scene. It was was amazing. Again, I watched this show for the soap opera drama, and that is, that is, it's, it's definitely not for the high production quality of this, uh, Enchanted Forest scenes. I, I'm. I, I live for the drama in this oh, show. The, the soap opera, especially with the amnesia plot. The amnesia plot. The two wives. Like, this is a soap opera drama, and it is a good one. Just, uh, so th- this is when he's like, look, if you want to give us a chance, you can meet me tonight at the Toll Bridge. And if you're not there, I will leave you alone forever. I've left my wife, though. Yeah. I didn't choose her. I choose you. And I'd like you to choose me. Goodbye. Yeah, and I believe this is the scene we get where Mary Margaret goes to Emma. Yes. And Emma's just like, hey, he's left his wife. You know what? That's a choice. Go for it, girl. Mm-hmm. Like, And I'm like, you know what? She's not entirely wrong either. <laughs> and to which to which Mary Margaret goes, well, now that Regina's Catherine's friend, won't that make her mad? And Emma's like, all the more reason to do it. <laughs> <laughs> She's so messy. I love it. It's such a catty thing. I love it so much. Uh, so she... Wears her most Snow Whitey outfit. And it's not like a literal Snow White outfit, but it's very floral mm-hmm. and innocent and pretty. And honestly, it was something I wanted in my closet at that time because that is exactly how I wanted to dress at the time. And she waits under the full moon at the toll bridge with all of her hopes up, twirling a certain ring that was very familiar to us by now. I cannot remember. So I'm really curious to find out in the show how she got this ring. 
Well, she... Right. Oh, oh, no, in this? Oh, it, no, it's just yeah. something that came over with her. She's always had it. Yeah. It's just something that the curse let her keep. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's all it is, is the curse let her yeah. keep it. So David is looking for snow. And Regina gives him directions because she's so helpful. Call, call her Snow. <laughs> David is looking for Mary Margaret. Mary Margaret. And Regina gives him directions because she's so helpful and kind and mm. has no ulterior motives. And of course she gave him the wrong directions. She gave I him directions it. to Gold Shop and then wrong directions after that so that he will have to go into Gold Shop and hopefully see something that will trigger his memory. And the first thing that catches his eye but doesn't trigger a memory but catches his eye in a weird way is this crystal mobile, Mm -hmm. which we draw attention to because as he's looking at it, Mr. Gold comes in and goes, charming. I love it. He's like, excuse me? Oh, the mobile. It's quite charming, isn't it? (laughs) Would you like me to take it down for you? So at this point, do you think that Gold wants to maintain the curse or break the curse? Oh, I think Gold wants the curse to break, but he also enjoys the chaos and confusion of it sustaining like he wants it to break because he wants his yeah but he also enjoys the mischief mm-hmm. yeah because he's very much he profits from it i think no matter which option david would have been drawn to in this scene gold would be happy yeah you yeah know? no matter which one he'd have been you know david would have looked like a crazy person mm-hmm. or david has to go break someone's heart and jump in more with the story that the curse is brought up. Well, either way, someone's heart is getting broken. Yes, exactly. Either way, someone's heart is getting broken. And it sucks because they're both very nice people. Mm -hmm. Like Catherine in this is just a very, very sweet person. Oh, we skipped over that whole part before this happened. (laughs) Before David leaves his wife, (laughs) he's looking at pictures on their couch and she invites him to come up to bed. Yeah. He doesn't have his memory back yet. But she's just happy to have him home and that and she's hoping this will stir more than his emotions or more than his memories, I guess. And when he says, no, I'd rather we just talk for a while. She forces a kiss on him. That feels really wrong. And that's what pushes him to leave. Yeah. Because the kiss felt wrong. So we had skipped that whole thing. And I had to talk about how Awkward, like, oh, I, I wasn't behind her trying to force intimacy on him. Yeah, and I think that that's that is a major foreshadowing bit of the kind of consent issues we're going to have on this show because I feel if the genders were reversed, that would be creepy as hell. It would be incredibly it, uncomfortable. It would be it would be um, predatory. Yeah, but because of the the uh, internal morality of the show, where that is acceptable because this a woman is, did it because a woman did it we treat this as acceptable it's not it's like, not it's it's she is trying to pressure someone into a sexual situation that he is not comfortable with for her own ends and that's not okay and he got out of there because he was uncomfortable so i don't yeah. blame him for that no. i really don't blame him for that I, not we at all. glossed over that whole thing yeah and i was like oh because I remember both times I watched it, that scene made me uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. And and I feel bad for her, too, because she's just trying to jog his memory, but she's not listening to him. Right. I mean, for her, she just wants her husband back, yeah. which is understandable. He's home, and it's almost like he's back. But it's still... But it's still... She should... No means no. Yeah. He said no, and no means no. Yeah. And she... Before she forces the kiss on him, she does say, 
you know, whatever you want, whatever you're comfortable with. And, and when yeah. he says, no, I just want to talk. She's like, mm, not the answer I wanted. She kisses him. Yeah. And that made me mad. Yeah. That's the only thing Catherine has done that upset me. Okay. So, so far. So he's in, we're back in Gold Shop. Yeah. After Regina was Kanai. After Regina was Kanai. Uh, we're back in the shop. And as he's turning, he gets the real direction. Should we do it? Cajun to English translator. Kanai <laughs> means conniving. <laughs> That's one of the ones that I like feel translates. Yeah, but it's like I I realized it like, you know, it's like, come see. Yeah. We have our regionalisms. (laughs) So he gets the right directions to the bridge. um, And as he turns to leave, there's a windmill that looks real familiar. It's the one that used to be on his front lawn. It's been there for ages, collecting dust. And that's when the curse gets the moment to implant the memories. And I think that's really interesting. I think that had Emma not come to town, obviously he'd still be asleep, but I think he would be getting more memories from this. He would remember it all because he makes it very clear he's only remembering some of it. It's beginning to come back to It's not all there. But he remembers enough that... We're going to jump ahead just... He remembers enough to know that he wasn't intending to leave Catherine in this reality. Right. He remembers that he wanted to make it work. Right. And that he loved her. So he goes. He goes to marry Margaret. And this the, the past few episodes have just been an exercise in breaking this poor woman's heart. And this, this breaks my heart. This because one. she is so earnest. And she has, against her own better judgment, has put herself out there. Yep. And he says, about that. Yeah, I remember now. And I feel like the right thing to do is to give Catherine a chance because she is my wife. It's just the right thing to do. To which she breaks back. Uh, the right thing to do was not to string me along. Yeah. Not to lead and, me on. Yeah, that's what I have in my notes where she says the right thing to do would be to not have led me on. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? You're the, right. And, and like th- this actress, Jennifer Goodwin has... Jennifer Goodwin. Jennifer Goodwin's heartbreak emotion is so palpable. Like, I feel it every time her heart breaks. She's such a good actress with heartbreak. And that makes me sad for her as a person. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Yeah. Um, uh, and he goes back to his wife and says he wants to try to, they, they owe it to each other to try to make it work. Now that he remembers, they have a lot of work to do. Let's get started. And I... Yeah. Now... And it's supposed to, it's, we're supposed to be mad about it because that's the curse. Yeah. And I have to say on the whole, it's... He still has feelings. He still has feelings for Mary Margaret, but he also has feelings for Catherine now. Yeah. It's, it's hard and it's the kind of drama we sign up for watching this type of show. And it's, it's really satisfying to watch because it's unsatisfying. Yes. Now, I think this is when I started just binging the show because after this episode... I immediately watched the next like four. And today when I was rewatching this one and I was like, okay, we got to watch them. It took everything to get off my couch, (laughs) go take a shower, get some lunch to not just keep watching because Mm -hmm. it's, this is where I'm like, okay, I need to know Mm -hmm. what happens next. I saw the title of the next one and I was like, oh yeah. Um, So the last, the final plot point. A final plot point. That this is the, the last really and we, subplot of this episode. We saw this at the... There was one little bit at the beginning of this where uh, Dr. Whale... Dr. Phil Collins. Begin, at the beginning of the episode, Dr. Phil Collins comes up to Mary Margaret 
and goes, hope I wasn't the reason you quit the hospital. Every man in her life thinks they are the reason she quit the hospital. Yeah. And it's upsetting. She was like, why would you be the reason? He was like, oh, because I didn't call you back after our date. I know. That was rude of me. To which I wrote in my notes, I guess his other assumed prospects ghosted him. Yup. Because I have been in her shoes where this dude who has already blown me off before has started texting back and is trying to get back into the life for some reason. And it's because his prospects have temporarily dried up and he's just waiting for one of he's waiting for one of them to come back, but looking for something for in between. I hope he's well and has an ingrown pe- <laughs> But he's doing this number. And as soon as he did it, I just got mad that he was being so like sweet. And he's like, you know, we should try it again. Why don't you call me back sometime? She's like, mm. No, I'm good. We'll see. Okay, maybe. Bye. So when her heart is broken again, and the whole time her nervous tick is spinning the ring. Yeah. And so she's at she's at Granny's in the diner, spinning her ring, drinking something. And Dr. Phil Collins comes in, sees her crying. She doesn't want to talk about it. But he's like, well, why not talk to someone whose opinion you don't care about? Yeah, I, I wrote this one down because I actually, I really like this line. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's easier to talk to someone. When you don't give a crap what they think. Yeah. And it's true. And so she does, she gives the spiel. She's like, you ever know you're in a situation and you know what the outcome's going to be? Do it anyway. The exact thing that you knew what happened comes up and you just beat yourself up about it. And he's like, no, cannot relate. Can't relate. How do you do that? Oh, I don't do things anyone expects me to do. Can I buy you a drink? You can buy me two. (sighs) Honestly, I was like... And you know Good what? Good for you. And that's exactly when you accept that guy who you know has already done this to you back into your life. I've made some uh, mistakes. I may have related to that little subplot a bit <laughs> in my in my past. Look, we've all made some mistakes because of me. Yeah. It hurt, it hurt for me. And it's, it's also the same reason Buffy got with Spike, you know, because pain. And I hate that whole plot line. Don't get me. No, we are at, we are at the, at the time of this recording. We have recorded over an hour of audio. <laughs> we don't have time to rant we about Spuffy. We do not have time for me to talk about Spuffy and everything that's That's a bonus it. episode. <laughs> it's a bonus episode, which is just Mads going off about Spuffy. Oh, you, you know I can go off about Spuffy. It's my least favorite pairing. You can at me on that, please, but don't. Spuffy please is don't. trash. You Spuffy can at is me. Trash. I'll argue with you. I'll fight you. <laughs> wow. Okay. So um, that got heated. <laughs> so I don't like Doctor Phil Collins, is what I'm saying. I don't like Doctor Phil Collins. What he's, helps me not like him is watching I Zombie. He's the worst. Yeah. He's the worst kind of f boy, and I don't like him. Um, and he's just. We need to contact Whole Man Garbage Disposal Services. Because <laughs> he is. It's time to throw away the whole man. It's time to throw away the whole man. Uh, all right. So I think that's everything we have for the episode. So let's talk about how we felt about this on the whole. Um, how would you rate this episode in terms of um, memory jogging windmills? Oh, okay. A four? Are we going four or five? Uh I would give this a five out of five. I, I was gonna, I was gonna give it. Episode. I was asking for the number so I could give it the full number. The yeah. episodes that are about Snow White and Prince Charming are solid. Yeah, and I feel like the Storybrooke side of this plot is so strong, and the elements of the Enchanted Forest plot that tie into the larger story are so strong that I'm willing to overlook the really terrible technical decisions oh, that were made during were this episode so bad. just 
the the bad CGI. Oh, the dragon was amazing. The dragon was amazing. The CGI sets were bad. Yes. They didn't make sense. They, they were, were straight they up were... Star Wars episode one. Literally nothing here exists. <laughs> we're just a bunch of actors standing on a green screen. Yeah. And I felt it. It felt it. It was weird. Um, it had one piece of furniture to your set. God, just one piece of furniture. A piece of furniture just, would help. So we, it doesn't look like you're just in a green box. Yeah. Because it's, it's all of the, the past fantasy scenes that weren't outdoors were green box shots. Yeah. So those those were rough. But despite all that, still five out of five windmills. Yeah. Because the the overarching storyline was really strong this episode, and I feel like this is a this is when the show gets good. This is where we see what this show can do. Well, they also they're, they're also very strong because these are their main characters. They want us to follow. They keep giving us side characters, and those have been weaker episodes because those they don't have those mapped out like they have Snow and Charming mapped. Yeah, out. they know what they want to do with this storyline, so we get it. Like, yeah. they don't know what they want to do with Jiminy Cricket yet. Oh, I like that actor, though. Yeah, so he's, okay. he's fine. But glad we don't know what a, we want to do. Glad they gave him a week off. Yeah. Hey, were there crickets at the toll bridge? Did we hear crickets? I can't recall. I don't either. Hmm. I'll Tune tweet in. about it later. Yeah. <laughs> tweet us. Tweet us um, if there were crickets. Speaking of tweet us, we did not have any uh, We did not have any tweet comments this week that I know of. I'm going to double check real quickly. There's not a lot other than the blue screen. The rantability of this episode was... Fairly low, you know. Um, so we don't have a game this week because also there's just not a lot to really talk about mm-hmm. in terms of weird trivia. This episode was well constructed aside from, like I've said, the continuity errors and the weird green screen stuff. So I don't have anything to complain about and we don't have it just kind of sad. But this gives us a little time to talk about uh, some big changes coming up on the show. We want to open with weekly episodes to get really into the groove of things but we both have some pretty big stuff coming up in our lives uh, most notably i am getting married and in three weeks i'm the minister for that way and elaine is my minister uh so we're going to be recording weekly but we'll be releasing bi-weekly and we promise it's a very small very socially distanced wedding it's incredibly small very socially distanced wedding where everyone will be masked outdoors we have 20 guests including the grooms and our minister. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm really, really excited. My my partner and I, I call him my husband, my partner and I have been engaged for three years and we're really, really excited to be doing this. So we're going to take a little time mm-hmm. to enjoy each other and getting Yay. married. And uh, we're going to go on, a, we're looking at a honeymoon where we're staying at a nice little cabin in the woods. That's what we did. Yeah. Our plan is to bring a bunch of food, a bunch of board games because we play tabletop games together and a bunch of books and lock ourselves in for a week we both have very stressful jobs and work situations and we're looking forward to just having some time together i like so. that our honeymoons are so similar because ours was uh lots of food an audiobook and a jacuzzi tub yep well your your original honeymoon plans are coming up for oh, real we might have to postpone them again because uh. you know I don't think this is going to be over by the end of February. No. Oh, snap. It is sucks. Yeah. Th- we were supposed to go to Disney World. Um, <laughs> we're adult Disney fans. <laughs> I've never been to Disney World. My husband has never been to Disney World. And so we were going to go to Disney World together for the very first time ever in August because that's a great time to go to Florida. No. So we're looking forward to hopefully going in March. <clears throat> but 
We're not sure if we'll have more restrictions imposed on us by then. Yeah. But the good thing is Disney's very, very good about moving things for postponing. And we're still under the flight waiver for our airline. Nice. And we have a friend. Shout out to uh, Matt McElveen. Matt! Who works for, uh, he works at the Star Wars. Monkey uh, Matt! Monkey Matt! But yeah, we've talked enough about our personal stuff, but I'm... No, uh, you're allowed, no, no, they want to hear about our personal stuff. (laughs) Dang it. I know that uh, whenever you get to go, you're going to love it. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Oh, when we're going to go, we're going to go make lightsabers. (sighs) Both of us. He thought he was just going to make a lightsaber, but I said no. No, you're making a lightsaber. I'm making one too. (laughs) Come on, come on. Who does he think he married? (laughs) Well, I think that's all the time we have, and that's everything we have this week. Um, (laughs) If you have any rants about the next episode, that's episode seven. There is lots to rant about in episode seven. We're going to have them to us. Send them to us. Tweet us at Storybrook Pod, or you can email us at storybrokepod at gmail.com if you have a longer letter or just a comment you'd like to make about the show. Be sure to like and subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or Libsyn or wherever you are listening to this show. And at some point when things go back to normal, uh, normal is in air quotes, heavy air quotes. If you want to see anything else that we are doing outside of the podcast, you can follow us at your pretty friend. That's one friend. That's the both of us. We're one friend. We are your pretty friend. Your pretty friend. And that we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. I don't think we have an Instagram for that, but no. that's okay. It would just be pretty pictures. Check us out. This is a Your Pretty Friend production, and it is Storybroke. Miserably ever after. freedom to burp is more important than anything.